And that's okay. pretty much it. Cool. I should have something for all of it. I love to hear it. I love when you do it because you like to take the ball. I just bring it up the court, <laughs> dish to you, and you just handle it. I'm like, good. Love it. <laughs> I've been told that I like to talk too much. I'm like, actually, I don't like to talk much. I love it when I have guests on that just take the ball. I love it. It makes my job I'm so much easier. Just definitely afraid of silence. and I'm willing to steamroll any moment of it <laughs> just so we can sound normal. <laughs> do this nice. okay <sighs> all right <clears throat> welcome back world this is john this is the flores and friends podcast this is episode 92 part two the first part was with my buddy steven and anthony we had a very lively conversation uh it was running a little long so i decided to split this episode into two parts tonight i am joined by one of my oldest friends the king of dallas texas don't even don't even think about it, Jerry Jones. You have been supplanted. Uh, Dalvin Ford, how are you doing tonight, man? Man, I'm doing great. Now that I've been uh, coronated the king of Dallas, that's awesome. I've I have been to your abode there, and it is a palace. <laughs> Thank you, man. You are you are far too kind. Yeah, it was uh it was in March. I was up for uh. My uncle's retirement from a branch of the military, and he was having a retirement ceremony, and it was in Fort Worth. But I decided to stay in Dallas with you because I didn't want to buy, I didn't want to spend money on a hotel room because I'm just that cheap. But it was also awesome for two things. One, I'm not going to talk about on the pod, and the other being you got me into Ted Lasso, man. We just happened to watch it that one time, and I was like, oh no, I got to get this. This is awesome. Uh, did you ever finish yeah. it? Did you ever finish it? Yes, I did, I did finish it. It was a incredible show, incredible first season. Uh, I haven't watched the, I don't know if the whole season came out or just one episode. Unfortunately, it is, it, it is episode to episode. It's week to week. I just watched it. I watched it yesterday morning and I was literally watching it before we got on. I was rewatching it. And, uh, luckily for me, like I never used the Apple TV app. So like I could probably let it build up before I realize, you know, that I've been missing it. Is it fair to say, first off, while I was home recently, I was back home in New Orleans in Baton Rouge for 4th of July. We had a big family reunion, and I successfully converted three friends on a Ted Lasso because I truly believe that if you're listening to me talk about how great the show is, I'm sure you've heard tons of people. The Emmys balled, like the Emmys doled out a bunch of nominations for them. Let me tell you, believe me, I, I take my personal reputation on this. That show is as good as everybody says it is. Like, everybody blows that show, and I'm telling you, it is deserved. Do you think so? Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. It's from that, like, positivity comedy that you love when you watch, yeah. like, I don't know, like, The Good Place, or you watch, like, Parks and Rec kind of a feel. Not, yeah. like, the same kind of humor, but the same kind of positivity underlying the show. Do and, you... like, the fact that, yeah, go ahead. that Ted doesn't know shit about soccer, you know, that's just so good for the audience, because, like, Obviously, me, who is a huge fan of British soccer, it's an easy sell. But, like, I imagine people who probably aren't so big on, you know, the English Premier League were interested in the show. Because they explain so much to you as you go along. It's a perfect setup. It's a, it's a great show. Like, it's truly it's truly great. Did you have, just off the top of your head, did you have a favorite character? <sighs> I mean, 
I'm now I'm like completely like another character name with Roy. Roy Kent. Yes, Roy Kent is a favorite. He I love a, a gruff curmudgeonly character. Yeah. Uh I think Kent is kind of fascinating himself. Yeah. Uh uh they do just enough of giving you under the nonstop positivity to let you know that he's a a complicated guy who is really just kind of force of force of willing his way through life. Which, you know, it's, it's, it makes you feel like we're setting up for something, I'm not going to say a lot darker, because I don't think the show would change like that, but, you know, it's something a lot more interesting. He's a great protagonist. Yeah, I'm with you. I love pretty much all of it, and I think mine is definitely Danny Rojas. Football is live! Unless <laughs> my favorite. Man, also, like, I saw somebody tweet about how that's like a double meaning. It's not just like, <laughs> football is life, I'm excited about everything. It's like, hey, man, life is crazy, so is football. You know, like, anything can happen. Yeah, which was, I thought was interesting. I don't not to not to spoil anything. I'm just gonna say Danny Rojas factors very heavily in episode one, and uh, I think it's really good. Anyway, we could talk for an hour on all of Ted Lasso, but that's not what we're here right. to talk about. We're here to talk about a different sport with its own uh, hilarity and toxic positivity at times. We're here to talk about the NBA. Like I said, if you listen to the first episode, Dalvin and I are going to cover pretty much the same topics and territory that Steven and Anthony and I did. Uh, So, yeah, let's just go with it. Um, The NBA season wrapped up uh, this week. The uh, Milwaukee Bucks, just a refresher, defeated the Phoenix Suns in in, uh, six games. But before we get to that, let's talk about the season overall, man. Uh, I spoke a lot on the first part. I'll be sure to chime in. Don't want y'all worry. But Dalvin... The overall NBA season, you know, we had it was a short turnaround. It was like two months or maybe a little bit more than when the bubble ended and the Lakers were victorious. They had to do a quick turnaround to, you know, get those 72 games in for the TV contracts. And they wanted to give the stars an opportunity to go play in Tokyo, which we'll talk about. We're going to talk about Team USA and the Olympics. So overall, do you think it was worth it? Was it a great season? There was some injuries. Do you think it was worth it? What do you What do you feel about the overall season? Uh, uh, the injuries were definitely, I would say, attributed to them playing on such a short turnaround, right? Mm-hmm. And um, based on the financial losses, like I hate to be so. There, are, the NBA is a business. As much as we love basketball and want to sound religious about it, it's a it's a business, and they had to play because they would have just lost too much money to even fathom, right? Yeah. But the season itself, I think. Outside of the the injuries to big stars, I think it's very encouraging if you want to see like a healthy competitive league. Um, you know, the number one seed was the Jazz in the West, and the Suns were the second seed. Like that's new blood. Uh, I'm sure the Lakers will be much stronger with everybody healthy next season. But I don't see any reason for those teams to fall off. You know, the Nets will have a another crack at it full healthy. Uh, and I think the biggest thing that you kind of saw was like. For those middle class teams, your Bulls, our Pelicans, who are, you know, always kind of chasing that last playoff spot. But they don't seem like they suck, but they're not right there with the good team. I think this season really showed that there's like a path to getting good pretty quickly. Like seeing the Hawks make the conference finals after being terrible the mm. season before with just one coaching change. You know, you see the Bucks, not that they were terrible, but like, they were very, very limited, and they just figured it out, and they were able to move forward. The Suns, you know, they, they picked up one player, and the Suns were known as Knicks West. It's one of the worst organizations in the NBA, yeah. and now they have a finals appearance to show for it. So uh, I think if you're a team that's 
kind of like the, like I said, the Pelicans and Bulls, but like you know, you're the Mavs, uh, you're the Blazers, you're the Grizzlies. You're one decent move. The Warriors I feel like they are waiting for them to come back with with Clay coming back next season. Like they all feel like they're one move away from being pretty elite because there's no one team that just feels like overwhelmingly juggernaut unless we see a long stretch of healthy Harden, Durant, um, Tyreek. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time in the Bulls because they were not good. We're 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 same with the Pelicans. I'm not doing it. Not doing yeah. it. There's other people for that. There's other podcasts for that. Well, I, we did talk about it in part one. I did want to get your feeling uh, on the Pelicans overall, considering the two stars and the Lonzo situation and the new coach. Uh, but we can get to okay. that in a bit. We can get that in a bit. But uh, I really, I really enjoyed this season. Uh, I totally agree. Like, I really hated that. Because it was just, it was sad because it, as you can recall, like the top three, the four teams that were in the conference finals last year, only one of them advanced to the, out of the first round. And I, it was disappointing. And that was the number. So are you one of the people that feels like you, like we missed out because we didn't have the traditional, you know, teams at the end? No, no, I don't. I, I found it very refreshing. Like I think every now and then I, I, I rally against people that say that they want more parity in the league. I was like. No, you don't. You don't want that. You want the you want the juggernauts. You want the heavy hitters. And I, I know. I think yeah. everybody wants a kind of parody that like natural parody, where it's just like, hey, there's legitimately seventeen players in the NBA who mm-hmm. are so elite that just having one of them on your team is going to make you close to a playoff team. But that's too many dudes, and like, what's going to happen? And I think that the NBA is getting close to approaching that point where there's just so much talent. That every team is just like a better constructed roster away from being decent. Yeah. And like now with the play in tournament being, you know, they bring it back next season. I think they'll probably do it again. Uh, there's no reason to kind of tank at the end of the season. So your 13 through 14 seeds are not, you know, bums. They're yeah. chasing something kind of realistic. And with better players, you know, they can hit it quick. You know, they can uh, get better very quickly. So. I don't know. I think the league is just in an incredible place currently, especially, and not to, I'm not trying to, we don't have to start the Olympic conversation already, but just because, like, you see the international talent. Yeah. You look at the people who won the awards this year, like, uh, I think everybody was foreign, right? Jokic MVP, the defensive player of the year was Gobert. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but, yeah. I'm, I can't think I'm, now I'm thinking about most improved. And six man, I can't remember those off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. I'll Google them at some point. But it's been. Do you remember the last American defensive player of the year? Oh gosh, oh gosh. I'm not gonna put you on the spot. It's been since 2016, 2017. It was Draymond Green. Oh yeah, the Warriors. Yeah, he was. It's been yeah incredible. Draymond is still incredible on defense, but it's been all Gobert and Giannis since then. Like, it's so many, so many elite players just coming into the league. And you're looking at this draft class coming. It's just crazy, honestly. Yeah. I, I really love this season. I, I, I don't, like I was saying, I don't think people really want parity. I think they want, they would like parity that is advantageous to their particular team. But I, I love this season. I think you need one of these seasons every now and then. It didn't necessarily happen in the most ideal circumstances, but it it was still exciting nonetheless. Uh, I can't say it was exciting as a Bulls fan, but just as a fan of the overall NBA, I think it was fantastic. And I think 
I, I don't know if he would how vigorously he would agree with me, but I think Adam Silver and the brass at the top of the NBA really enjoyed this season as well because uh, a small market team with a star that signed an extension, a long-term contract with them, won it all, and that's really good for small market teams. But let's talk about your Pelicans. Speaking of uh, our, not really your Pelicans, but kind of my Pelicans as well. I don't want to make it sound like I don't fuck with them. I do enjoy watching them play when I get the chance. They're just not your main team, yeah. Yeah, they're not my main team. We don't have to dwell on this. I know you're, you're not really enthused about what happened last season, how the how they, everything shook out, but let me ask you a few questions. Okay. We, got, we had one year of Stan Van Gundy. He's out the door now. How did you feel about Zion's performance and Brandon Ingram's performance do you think we should trade lonzo which camp are you in and what are you excited about willie green for uh well okay starting with you know their performances i think that zion and and bi are incredible right i think that zion specifically he he's living up to the hype and the hype was absurd uh he he averaged almost (laughs) 27 points a game damn near like he was ridiculous he's ridiculous he shoots at a ridiculously high efficiency uh, he already has a, a natural feel for the game. Like, you know, we're still watching Giannis airball threes. And as we all, everybody talked about ad nauseum how it's great that he's not afraid of these shots. It's great that he's not afraid of these free throws. But, like, to compare a player like Zion, who's going to be trying to get to the paint at the same kind of clip, you know, he's already a much better shooter. Like, he's shown a, a mid-range jumper that seems pretty consistent. His free throw shooting is fairly consistent. So if he started from a place like that, his offensive numbers could only get scarier if they decide to give him legitimate space. And I think the best was hurting uh, Brandon Ingram a lot more than Zion because he's just a force of nature who can move all things. But, you know, B.I. is trying to find contested jumpers and a really clogged up paint. So I think his numbers, you know, they were pretty close to last season, but they were a little bit, you know, I guess unenthusiastic, not unenthusiastic, what's the word I'm looking for, a little unconvincing. Underwhelming? Yeah, there we go. And and at the fourth quarters and at the end of late games, because he was getting some tough looks, and I don't know why they were afraid of, you know, maybe giving the ball to Zion in those ways. That stuff that we maybe that was on stand, I don't know. But uh, I think that there's so much good stuff in space. Uh, I mean, in, in, you know, in the Pelicans roster that, I'm overall, I'm cautiously optimistic still because, like, we have Zion going out here. Um, so, as far as the Lonzo aspect, uh, it really just depends on the market. If his if his agent wasn't, you know, international man of mystery, Rich Paul, uh, <laughs> I feel like there would be a chance that we could maybe get, you know, Lonzo on a team friendly contract. But you know, being on clutch, there's a zero percent chance that that happens. Plus. You know, Donzo's uh, got a great skill set, and people will be interested in, in, in moving on him. And if he gets past the Pelicans' number, they'll lose him for nothing. But I do think that there's a lot of teams who are interested in Lonzo that Lonzo would be interested in back that would be willing to sign and trade. That's like a – so at least the Pelicans would lose him for nothing. But as far as if I want him to stay, yes, he's a good player. If he wants to stay on a reasonable number, you know, less than $18 million a year, then that would be awesome. But there's mm-hmm. like a – no chance that that happens. Yeah. And Willie Green, how do you feel about uh, he's a former uh, assistant with the Suns? Are you excited about it? I mean, no shade oh, of Van well, Gundy. I, I think that he's a, you know, he, he is a champ. Yeah, he won a championship. No, no, he did not. He yeah, that's right. He coached the team that won the championship the season. He was coaching, but he still got replaced. In the yeah, that's the right. That's right. That's right. That's he right. No six, and yeah, and he took the, the magic to the finals. Whatever. But yeah, I thought he was a good hire. I, 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 I you know, AC it didn't work out. I can understand 
how having an abrasive manager like that, just as a person who has jobs and managers, I can see how that would be, uh, you know, very frustrating to do your job, especially with a lot of young, talented dudes. Um, I think Willie Green is going to be a hit. Uh, I think that coaching is probably the hardest thing for regular people to kind of like try to prognosticate. Like, who knows anything about what makes a good coach? Yeah. But as far as what people say about him, you know, all the all the Suns players are gushing about him. I think he's a young guy. He's got clout within the NBA. He played for a very long time. He was known for being a really scrappy player, and apparently he's very defensive-minded. So my hopes would be, like, Within that season of staying berating them about defense nonstop, 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 yeah, they didn't get a lot of practice time, but I think they kind of got those principles set in. It was like a horrible boot camp of a whole season yeah. of defense, I would imagine. And now you're going to come in with the, you know, the requisite practice time and, you know, a gentler voice in Willie Green. And if he can get the Pelicans to play respectable defense, all the pieces are there for their offense to be ridiculous, especially assuming that they're going to trade motherfucking Eric Bledsoe. Goddamn! Oh, I I, I mentioned Sorry. this in part one, uh, but I am I'll ask you. I know how you got like guys. I'm he's not putting on a performance like Dalvin. Well, he's one of many Pelicans fans I think that does not like Bledsoe. Anyway, oh come on! But like, what is there to like? It's, <laughs> it's not even the fact that like he's in. I, as a person who's played basketball for a long time, I really hate to hear people say, like, this player sucks when they're so much better than you. So let me yeah. say, within the terms of professional basketball, uh, Eric Blesser was awful. He's a 10-year vet who constantly makes very, very simple mistakes. He makes the same mistakes multiple times, which is, like, the one thing you can't do. He's a horrific shooter. He was known for his defense and yeah, at the point of attack, his defense was just mid. I mean, he was okay. He wasn't getting blown by, but he didn't do much of a job on guarding any of the main guards that we have to see in the West. You know, you saw De'Aaron Fox routinely cook the Pelicans. The Suns, uh, the Kings ended up having a better record than us. Like, that's times, I, I don't know. Let me, let me ask you. Like, yeah, was, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Please. I wanted to ask the question. I wanted to know. I've always wondered when this happens, you know, like your DeMar DeRozan's and now your Eric Bledsoe's. How does it Don't feel? Don't even compare them because DeMar DeRozan is very effective. He just has a game that's kind of ugly to people's eyes. But, like, there's no reason for a 10-year starting guard, former what de- uh, all-defense team, to be as bad as he was. Like, he was... He was a terrible, terrible. I, I don't have his stats in front of me because I don't want to throw up. Like, uh, but le- but what do you think it feels like when you get traded for the team you got traded from wins the championship the year you leave? Oh crap, that's my bad. Oh, he knows. He, he knows that it's, he was the problem. Like, mm. if he, I'm sure when they traded him, he felt like, oh fuck, they really thought that I was the problem. And then, yeah, it was you. They couldn't count on your shooting at all, and. Drew didn't put up an all-time shooting performance himself. Absolutely his not. His defense was so unbelievable that it made up for it. And Eric Bledsoe, God bless him, wasn't providing that same level of defense. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure he, he, he's a professional. He has pride. He's a player who was once known as baby LeBron, mini LeBron, something like that. So the fact that he is known as one of the worst starting guards in the league has got to hurt his pride. Uh, but I think that GMs are not as low on him as fans are. Uh, they think that he would probably, you know, feel engaged to play for a good team and 
You know, he's still providing relatively decent defense if you just cut down. I don't know. I don't know. I think that there is some level of a market for him. As Pelicans have picks out the ass, so they'll probably have to attach a little something to him to get that, get him out of here. But if you just replace him with basically anybody who can shoot or empower the, the guys, you know, Nikhil Alexander Walker and, and Kira Lewis on the team already, Kyra, excuse me, not Kira. Um, you know, they would be better than Bledsoe was. It's just a truly miserable situation. Um, yeah. it's that Steven Adams is not nearly as bad, and he's a really big problem. Yeah. Uh, did unless you guys want to shout out anyone else, I did want to move on to some other storylines and some other uh, teams in the yeah, league. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't talk about Giannis in the finals yet. Yeah. So, so let's incredible talk incredible final. Yeah, go. You, yeah, you lead us in. Yeah, let's talk about some other things. There were a few. There were a few uh, specifically the MVP. But before we get to that, Dame Damian Lillard. Okay. Now, do you think? One, do you think he'll stay in Portland? Do you think it's fixable and the situation in Portland is fixable? Or if he is traded, where would you like to see him go? If, I like, if he's traded, I'd like to see him go to the Pelicans. Let's yeah, of course. But, uh, no, um, I do think he ends up staying. I don't know. Like, it, the NBA GMs and owners will be freaking the hell out if it's, like, four years left on their contract. And like, all right, I want to be traded now and have to leave, like, I'm sure they'll do anything they can to avoid that, especially because they have, you know, a, a decent player to, to to make some moves with and CJ McCollum. And maybe, you know, you get Ben Simmons and that moves the needle because they're a terrible defensive team. And, uh, you know, you really can't kind of go forward from there. They have enough shooting. But, um, yeah, I, I think that they're – I don't know. I don't know, honestly. You know, because Dame has put so much of his, like, professional credibility into being like, no – I don't run from the grind. I'm that guy. I'm yeah. still working. And if he, you know, wants to, I would completely understand if he wants to leave and go to a better situation or even try to do like a Chris Paul this year situation and take a team like the Pelicans to uh, that next level. <laughs> um, I can see him wanting to do that. But if he wants to join the Clippers or something, that would also make a ton of sense because you, you know, you want to chase a championship. Yeah. Like, I, I can't blame him. Yeah, uh, I hope he gets out. I, I, I'm with you. Like, it is, would I have gone on a, out on a limb and, like, made that proclamation that I want to be in the grind, that I'm staying in Portland? I think that it's always admirable, but I think you are boxing yourself in because it is a profession, it is a job at the end of the day. That's not your hometown. The fans, their love for you was conditional. And so I think, and that, yeah, good. If you care about that kind of long term legacy stuff, you know, it hurts you. You yeah. know, um, if you look at how versatile of a player Kevin Garnett was, you know, the fact that people routinely say, and I kind of agree, or I think it's a strong case that Dirk Nowitzki is better than him, that's kind of crazy, but it's because they have uh, the same number of championships. And, you know, Dirk's had a, a lot more playoff moments, so he played for much better teams because, you know, KG was too loyal to Minnesota. Yeah. And he only went to the conference finals one time. And so if you are the type of person that's like, I want to be known as the best player of my generation or the best point guard of my generation or the best whatever, like, you know, Dave's already in a particularly tough spot because, you know, what he's known for, the type of player he is, you know, a, a three-point assassin shooting from deep, he's not even known as the best at that. Like, there's somebody who plays on the same coast as him that gets all the shine. So the fact that he is not only, like, not Steph, but still great, and he doesn't have any championships, I'm sure it's you know, eating at him, if, if, if that's the kind of stuff he cares about. Okay. 
Well, you mentioned him a little earlier, and you mentioned the team at least. Uh, Philadelphia, our boy Ben Simmons. Uh, well, I claim him because technically he is technically he did play for the Louisiana State University Tigers. Yes, terribly he played, but he yeah. Did. Uh, do you think? I mean, he's going to get traded. Like they've already announced that they're working on a trade with somebody. But I feel bad for him. But I also like, dude, you're kind of the prisoner. You have the key to your own jail cell. I don't know. What do you think, Manny? You think it's fixable? You think it's just it's a lost cause? What do you think? What do you think the situation is with Ben Simmons? You can't say a lost cause because he's just too good at too many basketball related things to to be a bad player, right? Yeah. But his offensive game is a very very weird mix of skills, and everything about him is is kind of a mystery. Like first of all, people have seen him shoot with his right hand. Uh, he writes with his right hand he's right-handed but for some reason he shoots left-handed jumpers that's so weird and when i say shoot left-handed jumpers i don't mean shoot because he doesn't shoot right yeah uh there's something in his head like i don't he has the yips he is i don't know don't know uh i think that that moment you know with him passing out of the the easy dunk uh in the playoffs this year oh, is super emblematic of all oh of the man problems. that was bad because <laughs> it was it's so much worse when you look at it when you see that it's Trey Young is the person that's coming on help defense who is six foot one Maybe. and he's six foot ten and he's not even like a, a high jump in six one so it's particularly uh uh frustrating. So do you think uh I, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder but Steven my my friend Steven mentioned that the the in part one that Portland, Philly and Golden State should be on the phone trying to work out a three way trade because uh, they all have assets that the other teams need. And would you like to see him traded to Portland and Dame go to Philly? I think you mentioned that when you were talking about Dame. Yeah, earlier. yeah let me, yeah, I did kind of gloss over that, though. I just should say that uh, Embiid and Dame would be a ridiculous duo. And if they stayed healthy, it would be completely dangerous to see, right? Especially if they built that team, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, just for the sake of, I'm always rooting for another championship strength team to just appear out of nowhere, right? Yeah. You know, you never know. You know, last summer when, you know, you heard that Phoenix traded for Chris Paul, you didn't think anything of that, but that made them a championship quality team out of nowhere. You don't know what's going to be that move this summer. There might be one, there might be two. Uh, and I think if we go into the season with, you know, more than, because it's usually about four. Yeah, four or five. If we went into five. the season, what? With six or seven teams that you were like, you know, I could definitely see them winning it. I think that that would be great, to be honest. Well, we're going to talk about, after we're done talking about the finals, we're going to talk about what we think is going to happen in the offseason in this coming season. So, last thing I want to talk about was the MVP. Our uh, uh, Nikola Jokic, uh, Luka got a lot of clout going into the season. Uh, do you think that they made the right choice between Jokic, you know, Embiid, and anyone else? Was there anyone else you thought deserved more shine? Or do you think it, right, it went to the right guy? Or how do you feel about the MVP think- situation? I think it absolutely went to the right guy, and I think it's been really weird that so many, and I'm not, obviously, you're just asking questions, but, like, you know, there's been a lot of that in the sports media, like, did they get the MVP right? Is this the worst MVP we're going to have? And, like, Jokic's numbers were ridiculous. Yeah, they were. (laughs) The only reason that he's, you know, didn't go as far in the playoffs is because their second-best player, you know, was out. Uh, You can't really expect any. Uh, you know, elite team to to go anywhere without their number two. So, um, yeah, I don't. He's been incredible, and it just doesn't make sense to me because, like, 
if you would have told me that there was a seven foot white dude that is passing like you know white chocolate and <laughs> putting up triple doubles every other every three games, and you know I, you would tell I would have told you that like America was tripping over his dick to make him a superstar, and it's really the opposite. They're going out of their way to find anybody else. Uh, to make a star out of us is really, really strange. He's an incredible player. I'm a huge fan. I, I think that they're also one move away yeah. from being really, really scary. I think that, uh, you know, they're going to feel like, oh, you know, uh, Jamal Murray's coming back and we're going to be good, but they're not going to be good enough. And I, I, I'm they're counting on Michael Porter Jr. turning into something crazy, which he's very good. But uh, if he never turns into that, I feel like Jokic might be wasting his prop because he's that good. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to say the question I'm about to ask. It is hard to speculate or project, but uh, it seems like a lot of the I guess the expected or like you know really yeah the expected contenders for the MVP a lot of them got injured. Like your LeBrons, your Hardens, your you know just like whatever. Like a bunch of them got. We talked about it up top. There were a lot of serious injuries uh, this season. Uh, right. Jamal Murray is his number two, like you said. Uh, do you think it would have been a different situation if injuries hadn't been such a factor? Do you think he benefited from just like every he was the only one healthy that was remaining? Sure, I, I, I only think it helps because as we've seen throughout NBA history, you know MVP is very much a narrative based award. Absolutely, um, and uh, you know those players that were hurt this season were a lot bigger names. The LeBron MVP train was getting very loud before he got hurt and when the Lakers were basically the number one seed for most of their health part of the season. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought, sorry. Uh, yeah, d- d- did Jokic benefit from injuries, if that helped? Right, 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 right. Yeah. right. So, you know, if the, if the big names, LeBron, KD, well, I think most of those super team guys would have had a tough time getting it, but, you know, there's some momentum for Harden for a second or Giannis didn't stand a chance just because they wasn't going to give him three times in a row. But I think about it like this. like If you look at Jokic's stat line, that's an MVP stat line. Yep. It's like if you, you know, if there's a season where everybody gets hurt and a dude that's averaging, you know, 21, 8, and 6 wins the MVP, it's going to feel like, all right, man, that was a weird season. But, you know, Jokic damn near put up a triple-double, uh, you know, double-digit assist numbers as a as a center. And he's just an unbelievably fun player to watch. Like, I, I gladly – gladly bestow him his MVP. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the postseason before we get to the finals. In the in the postseason, you know, tournament, were there any big surprises for you? Did you think anyone kind of underwhelmed you? Or, like, I, like the, the Atlanta Hawks, I think, surprised everybody. Like, I think yeah. that everybody expected them to get past the Knicks, but make it to the conference finals, that's a huge thing. And yeah. honestly, no, yeah. if you go back and look at people's picks on that, like, most people expected to win that series. Yeah, that's that. That's that New York East Coast bias. Yeah, but uh, yeah, true, I want to say the the Atlanta Hawks. I'm really happy for Nate McMillan, and I had to laugh at Indiana because they fired the guy they replaced him with after one year. Not that I'm I happy anyway. Yeah, good. I just want to say that's one of my favorite things. Well, least favorite things in sport when they hire when they fire the coach who was stuck at a certain plateau and he's winning every year, but y'all just can't get over the hump, so you let him go. Like. I, I always feel bad for those guys. You know, what was it? Marty Schottenheimer got fired after going 14 to 2 with the Chargers. And yeah. You got this situation and like Terry Stats with the, with the Blazers. It's just like, that's tough. You, you, you're not, you too good for losing in the first round. They got teams trying to make the playoffs every year. 
and, and y'all go every year and you too good for that indiana fucking Pacers provide you so uh, but yeah, I was happy that I'm not happy that the coach, the Indiana coach, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I'm not happy he got fired, but I am happy for Nate McMillan. I really expect them to do when we talk about next season. I really expect Nate something. Nate Bjorkgren. Yes. Sorry, I just had to think of it. Oh yeah, that's the guy. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, were there any other surprises that you want to talk about for the for the um, in the NBA playoffs? In the playoffs, I mean, well, obviously the Suns, you know, they lost yeah. in the finals, but here's your chance to give them their flowers, right? Uh, Booker, I think we can pump our brakes on the Kobe talk, but he is the ideal, you know, modern shooting guard. Uh, his three-point shot is not the fact that he's a killer three-point shooter because his numbers are really kind of average, but people respect his shot so much, and he hits so many good contested jumpers that, you know, he's a, he's a clutch uh, kind of outlet for spacing. Uh He's a great player, uh, and he, he, he can get a lot of difficult buckets. Uh, I think DeAndre Ayton would did numbers for his reputation. Uh, he made himself, you know, I'm not going to compare him to Hakeem Olajuwon, but in the way that, you know, people accepted Hakeem Olajuwon's success was enough to make him not, you know, a ridiculous pick over Jordan. I think that, you know, Ayton is a person that stays himself. He's going to... As, just as a seven footer with that kind of athleticism, he's going to be able to provide defensive stability to his teams that Luca will literally never ever be able to do. Yeah. And people always forget that there's two sides of basketball: there's offense and defense. And um, yeah, that's defense is also important. But uh, yeah, no, he had a great postseason. Um, I think he's got a bright future. Obviously, he got freaking cooked. By Giannis, but who wouldn't? Get yeah, I was about to say, I was like, yeah, uh, I think most mortal men gonna... would get cooked by Giannis. Um, but yeah, they've they got a lot to build on and, and move forward from there. Also, McCall Bridges, uh, he is sick. He is a, he's gonna be yeah, really, I was really, really, really good. He's already a yeah, he's a really good defender already. He's great. Uh, he's got the long arms. I think what, six seven, six eight, or something like that. So he's the ideal size. And once he gets uh, just enough dribble. To you know, be able to pump fake and, and get to a secondary action where he hits up mid range jumpers, get to the cup. He'll be a really dangerous offensive player. He'll keep the Suns real good, and he's gonna get a ridiculous contract. He's gonna get. Yeah, I was. You know, he did. He was him. Cam Johnson were the two on the Suns that I really was impressed by. I mean, I didn't. I didn't really have an opinion on them. I just knew that they were you know some like pretty decent. Uh, uh, pretty decent. Shout role out to players. Cam Johnson for sure, though. Yeah, he was also incredible. It feels like. Every time they subbed him to the, to the game, his first shot, he hit it every time. And he just, like, set the tone. He was a great floor spacer. He's also, like, he's pretty tall. He's, like, probably you think of. He might be, like, 6'9 or 6'10 or something. Yeah. So he's not a great defender yet, but he's just got the size where he can kind of, you know, give people problems. Uh, as far as uh, other teams, <laughs> I named a bunch of one. Uh, Bobby Portis had a great playoff. He yeah, my man. Showing. Bobby Schmerda, uh, you love to see him. I once saw him. In a uh, Papa Do's in Dallas, he sat at the table right next to us. I didn't say anything to him. I would never interrupt Bobby Porter during a meal. I'm not insane. Uh, other people who had great playoffs. Let me see. Obviously, Trey Young. Trey Young yeah. was great. I think John Collins was great. Uh, he's gonna get himself some money this year. Um, other underwhelming players. I think the Heat had a horrible effort in the playoffs. Uh, I think at the end of last year, we were ready to christen. Bam out of bio a star, and you know he had a kind of a tough performance. The defense is still there, but the offense hasn't really kind of progressed the way we wanted. Uh, I think that Luca has been great. I 
this is not shade Luca at all, but I think uh, as a collective, you know, most NBA people are kind of down on Porzingis as being a number two and kind of the construction of the Mavs, uh, and also down as, at the prospect of Jason Kidd being your head coach. So Ooh, I don't know what to expect from that. Uh, you know, uh, New Orleans is a, a much more volatile market, so people love to kind of beat the drum of the Zion's ready to leave. But I think that things are not great, probably, with Luka in, in Dallas. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, they need to take that next step. They fired their only championship coach in history. They didn't fire him, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it was time ways. to move on, yeah. Um, uh, I, they're in an interesting place. It's, it's weird that like these teams, and Dallas is not a big market, so I won't even call it that. Uh, but it's weird that these teams that are in decent-sized markets are getting a great player like Luka, Zion, is kind of like a curse, like stress. Yeah. Once they get eligible for these um, extensions, it's like all the writings on the wall, all your business is in the street, and it's just really toxic, and it's, it's tough. It's the, that's the part that, the you know, the labor part that nobody likes to talk about, but that'll be tough in the, for the next CBA. Yeah. I really enjoyed this playoffs. It is fascinating. Two things that just I remember when – Porzingis was traded. The 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 outrage, the shock, the uh, fury that came out of New York Knicks fans, and now I'm just like, well, I guess it didn't necessarily. Knicks won that trade, yeah. Uh, and the other thing is the idea of Trey Young and Luca, who will always be connected as they go about their careers. What do you think would have happened if things had been different? You know, like if by in some alternate universe, you know, in the multiverse here, uh, in a variant yeah. multiverse. <laughs> What uh? What do you think would have happened if Luca had you know if Luca was with the Hawks and vice versa? Trey was with the I mean, Mavs. I, I think that the they would have had the same trip to the finals. I mean, the conference finals this season. Um, I think the biggest problem with the Mavericks is throughout their history, throughout uh, basically the whole Cuban run, uh, they haven't been able to get any good free agents. Uh, you know, they they've had a, a few decent trades to to build you know the championship team. But for the most part, all their success came from one draft pick, Dirt. Yeah. And um, and now this one draft pick is Luka. But if that was Trey, I don't think they would have been able to build the, the necessary team to make them good, especially in the West. Because yeah. uh, Trey, despite being incredible, and we all saw it, but he's a special kind of player. He's, he's not very big, so he's always going to be limited defensively, which means you're going to have a certain type of wing player necessary to be next to him to have a passable defense right yeah. and Mavs have never been able to get those kind of elite players like yeah they're able to find some diamonds in the rough and make them good NBA players but nothing special so I think they would have really struggled to build the kind of niche team the, the, the certain type of players that you need to make a, a good Trey Young team hmm. where I think Luka is just like a supernova right and you see how the random herders and John Collins and all those dudes ended up being good if he would have just tossed that mix with Luca, they would have still been sick. I feel like we could talk an hour just on the dynamics and the context around why Dallas, you know, one of the largest metropolitan areas in the country and a tax and a no income tax state in a relatively, I mean, you know more about that town than I do, like a relatively affluent uh, city. It's really weird how they haven't been able to attract. That's a very, yeah, like I said, we could talk, we could spend the next hour yeah, talking uh, just about that yeah uh as you probably have noticed as well when you you talk to people in texas about the other metropolises in texas they have all kinds of takes 
and and Dallas is certainly is certainly part of it. Uh, Dallas has a reputation that's probably not great with you know NBA type dudes, but mm. yeah, you know, like you said, we could go all day about this. Well, you kind of touched on it when we were talking about the Suns, so let's move on to the finals. You touched on the Suns. I I just want to make the point up top, and I made this point earlier that. I don't need Chris Paul to win a championship. Like, I think that, first off, he's not the point god. There's only one point god. His name's Irvin Magic Johnson. Uh, But if you don't, I think his legacy is cemented. I don't think he needs, it would be nice. Like, I I was, my main takeaway from this finals where I liked both these teams and I would have been happy whichever team won. I'm happy. I I like Giannis and Drew more than I like Chris Paul and Monty, but I still really love Monty. Um, But I'll just say that, if you need, if you feel like Chris Paul, Chris Paul's career and legacy is hampered by not having a ring, I would call you a fool because that is that's insane. And yeah, I really like Monty. I loved him with the Pelicans or with the Hornets and the Pelicans at the time. He went through an incredible tragedy, and he is one of the most admirable men, not only in the NBA but I think in all professional sports. So, yeah, sure. what do you feel about them? We'll talk about them, and then we'll get to the Bucks. How do you feel about Chris Paul, and how do you feel about Monty? I mean, well, Monty, personally, is just a, a super-class dude. Anything that anybody says about him is nothing but positive. Uh, uh, the, you know, dealing with losing your wife randomly like that, uh, it's amazing that he was able to kind of turn his life around and, and still be a healthy person. And, you know, God bless him because he's a great coach and he's going to be successful for a, a long while. But, yeah, Chris Paul, I, uh, okay. just as a point of, point of reference, my mother worked for the New Orleans Hornets uh, since, like, the year they got there for quite a few years. So okay. I've been to many, 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 many Hornets games. Uh, and the Chris Paul era was a great time for me because uh, he made us uh, decently relevant. We were one of those teams that lost in the second round of the playoffs every year, which was better than we had ever had. We didn't even have a team. Those before, goddamn right? Spurs, man. I used to hate the <sighs> Spurs, man. And yeah, I felt like half the NBA was, like, you either get knocked out by the Spurs or you get knocked out by the Lakers. Like other, the other side of the of the Western Conference, the Nuggets, which is like fuck you, Lakers, leave us alone. Uh, but yeah, um, you know Chris Paul, he'll always hold a place from you know holding down New Orleans basketball. But outside of that place, uh, he's a dirty player who's done a lot of shitty stuff. Um, and it's weird that he's able to kind of keep that and keep that wholesome professional commercial image as well. Uh, he's super respectable guy. And he's you know, you know, thought out about politics, and he's the union leader for the NBA, and you know, he's definitely seems like he's he's really engaged in that and, and deeply respected around that. But again, he's a dirty player. He punched several people in the dick, and that's not cool. Like, in college, not just in the pros, but also in college. He went at Giannis's meet when he did that dunk at the yeah. end of game five. Well, let me ask you, do you think he should stick with the Suns? Like, he already said he wasn't retiring, but do you think he should explore other, you know, he has the player option. I don't know. I can't imagine anyone would turn down $44 million guaranteed, but where do you think he should do? I mean, yeah. so I just think on pure basketball terms, take out the age, take out the injury. Uh, if it's LeBron, Chris Paul, and AD on the same team, they're going to win the championship. So uh, he would leave for that. Because I know he's desperate for a ring at this point. Yeah. Um, the Suns will definitely still be part of it. Uh, I think that everybody kind of knows his limits now, so the Suns still need one more guy. Uh, but the, yeah, uh, he, he, it's hard to say. Like 
you know, who will opt out of like $40 billion because he could probably get a two-year deal for like 80 or at least 70-something so he can get, you know, all NBA money's guaranteed one more big check before he before he calls it quits. But anybody will want him, to be honest. If he's the ideal secondary ball handler and he basically turns up the sliders on all your role players and he makes them an offense into themselves. Like, there's no... Chris Paul plays, he's just going to take whoever your center is and do pick and roll shit with him. And yeah. if you got dudes that can shoot around him, he's going to create offense. And if you do that off the side of a guy like, I don't know, Luka, that would be crazy. If you did it off the get like LeBron, that would be crazy. Like, there's a lot of situations that we would be, you know, super, super, super successful in. Um, yeah. Uh, he definitely, you will not be hurting for contract offers for sure. Yeah. But like you said about his legacy, like, you know, if he gets a championship, whatever, uh, if he doesn't, I definitely think it hurts him, uh, as far as the point guard discussions, uh, cause he might feel like he's better than Isaiah and he doesn't have any championships. I know anybody who's alive from that era, they'll punch you for saying that Isaiah Thomas is not great because he's super forgotten. I know he's incredible, but like, yeah. You know, Chris Paul is in that range, and he won't get disgusted at that because he was never able to win. Okay, well, I think that does it for the Suns. Let's move on to the champs. Let's talk about the Bucks. I know you're very excited to talk about this. Uh, I'll just say that it's one of the most Hollywood-esque like, success stories I think we've ever seen in sports. And it, it really does sound like a Disney Channel original movie like storyline, but like... I'm so impressed by Giannis. I was very happy for him. He seems like a great guy. He seems like a very honest, decent person. And I think that, yeah, I'm really happy for Giannis. I'm happy for Drew because I've always been a Drew Holiday fan, even though his offense right. was terrible, but his defense was impeccable. Uh, and I'm happy for the Milwaukee because I think that, you know, Green Bay's two hours away. They have the Brewers who are really doing well this season. But I'm really happy for them because 50 years almost on the dot, like it's – that's a long, long stretch, so I'm happy for them. But how do you feel about it, man? Just go off to say whatever you need to say about the Bucks, man. Yeah, no, I actually know randomly a couple of the Bucks fans in real life, and I, I watched them sweat through some tough teams. So, uh, yeah, I was kind of happy to see them win. And Giannis is really, like, the perfect, 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 perfect success story uh, that the NBA needed. He's such a likable guy. He's so committed to hard work and loyalty and all that, you know, stuff that's super marketable for t-shirts. And just the fact that he, his story of, you know, black African immigrant from Europe finds out about basketball as a teenager and it takes him to this level of stardom. Like, that is exactly the story that the NBA wants to sell to everybody because they're, you know, they're selling basketball and he, he doesn't get much better than that, like you said. Uh, but as far as his play... Uh, the whole, you know, Hoopers versus uh, basketball players and, you know, bad Twitter versus whatever and the hard Giannis debate, it's really ridiculous. I think people are kind of like losing, I don't know, sight of, of, of what Giannis is doing. He's like 6'10", 6'11", 240-something pounds. The other dudes in the NBA that are 6'11", 240-something pounds are like purely centers. It's like Jared Allen... And, like, you know, fives, dudes that are big and stuffy, they don't Eurostep anybody. They don't yeah. go between them. Like, Giannis is so flexible. He's so yeah. explosive. And let us, not like neglect, got- let us not neglect the fact that 
I thought he was done for the year. Like everybody thought he was done with the year when his knee. His knee bent the wrong way. I just like, I, come on. I said earlier on the other part that I'm telling y'all right now, if my knee bent like that, I'm not getting off the couch for a year. That's it. I'm done. I'm I'm just stationary. I'm job of the hut, man. I'm just chilling all the time. Did he miss two games? Was that it? Like, I think so. Game? And then he like, came into the finals and destroyed. Well, not destroyed, but like just fucking wrecked shop dude sorry to cut you off again i just wanted to make that point if you play the six game series and and three of those games you went 40 40 and 50 yeah you can't say he fucking wrecked but he was killing there was nothing the suns could do with him and i think that uh the fact that he has gotten kind of consistently at this point that turnaround one-legged jumper yeah uh and in the lane and he's got the Really, just like, yeah, you know, he's got a hook, a little hook, he's got a turnaround jumper, and he's got the one legged jumper, plus his, you know, go go gadget arms and dunk. And that's more than enough moves because he's so athletic and fast and long that he is, he's basically unstoppable in the paint. And again, I'm sorry to take it back 10 conversations ago, but that's the kind of shit that I hope the Pelicans are watching because Zion is similar to that, that yeah. he can just basically get to the paint whenever he wants. Um, but yeah, like having a player like that. It's unbelievable. And the clutchest part of all, him hitting his free throws in the last game like that, that was truly unbelievable. Because I was thinking that he had gotten used to the counting in the road arenas and it looked like he was doing a little bit better. And he went home and they gave him some quiet and he was, oh my goodness, he was ready to get this over with. Yeah. Uh, I could not be more impressed with him. Could yeah. not be more impressed with him. Could not be more impressed with Chris Middleton. Yeah. Uh, Again, not to go back to the Pelicans, but he's a very similar player to Brandon Ingram. Uh, he's hit tough shots. Uh, I feel like a lot of players uh, in today's NBA, um, a lot of the players who you hear get compared to Kobe. Um, you get compared to Kobe because Kobe's like most incredible skill was hitting contested jumpers. But when your talent is hitting contested jumpers, that means you have to shoot a lot of contested jumpers. So, you know, it, it gets a little sketchy at times when it's not falling. Um, and Chris Middleton had some very sketchy games, but on home games, he was just really just when you needed it the most. Like, if we don't find somebody to get buckets, this is it, we're going to lose. He would always turn up with just in your face, KD looking, I don't care that you're one inch away from me, I'm drilling it over your head. He took advantage of all of those short defenders. You couldn't send Chris Paul, campaign, none of those dudes to go guard him. He's pulling up right over him. Yeah, it's... It's incredible. Uh, I I don't think it's lost on especially fans of the Pelicans and just people who follow the team that we need to be paying a lot of attention to what Milwaukee did because this is pretty much the ideal pathway. Like, they've laid the path. Uh, I got to say, I guess it's happy for Mike Budenholzer. I sent the – I don't know if you saw that photo online of, like, a fan at the championship celebration, like, holding up the fire coach bud. I was like, damn, but that's fucking hilarious. I feel him, yeah. Yeah, I, I sent it to some friends who don't follow the NBA, and I had to explain the joke a little bit to them. And I told them, I was like, the funny, the cherry on top is that if they, you know, they would, they're not going to, but like if, right. if they had fired him like two weeks afterward, there'd only be like some people upset with it. Like there wouldn't have been like, oh, how could you? It would have been like, yeah, it sucks, but yeah. Um, but it was. Some very head scratching decisions throughout his Bucks tenure. Uh, he's, a, he's a very. Uh, what do you say, dogmatic? Like, yeah. he has a very strict way of doing things. And, I mean, 
it gave him what the best season, the best record in the regular season two years in a row, and then the championships. And we think that he's the dumbest motherfucker in the world. So, like I don't know, maybe we need to check the fuck up. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it it was a really great finals. I enjoyed every minute of it. I'm sad that basketball is gone, but we have a we have the off season and we have next season to look forward to. Uh, and yes, we you know I'll set you up for this. But and we have the last basketball before the season starts. We got the Olympics. Well, let's let, we're gonna get to that, but let's talk about the the off season and and going forward. But first, let's talk about let's have the barbershop talk real quick. Let's okay. talk about uh, top five. So, I I think that we all agree uh, on at least the top three in varying degrees, varying order. Uh, but what do you what would you say your top five is now? Right right now. Okay, so yeah, the order we're still discussing the order. I don't know that yet, but as far as the five dudes is LeBron. It's Katie, it's Giannis, uh, it's Steph, and the fifth spot is tough. Um, I think if you go health, everybody's healthy, all situations, I would put Kawhi. Um, mm. But I, I think that James Harden is also, you know, incredible and puts up ridiculous, ridiculous uh, kind of numbers. And I also think Embiid is right there, and the MVP is right there, but. I'm going to give it uh, to Kawhi. He's, he's such an impact player on defense. He's, you know, scary, efficient, determinator on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just he's just fighting a knee injury. But other than that, he's still a very, very impactful player. Yeah. I, that's, five, that's five, right? Yeah. yeah, that's five. I'm not trying to sound controversial. I'm not – I swear I'm not – I'm not the hot take guy. I'm not particularly – that's not my jam. But mm-hmm. my top five is I actually have KD right now over LeBron. Uh, and then I have Giannis, and then I have James Harden. He really, I was really impressed by what he, when he, when he joined the Mets. I was really impressed that he was like not doing a bunch of the bullshit he was doing in Houston. And honestly, my fifth, as he's healthy, I think AD. I think AD is still up there. I think AD is is amazing, and I think that unfortunately his health has you know held him back. But I think Especially he's still after- yes. There's been some AD Giannis debate to begin with, yeah. and I think you saw the biggest difference between them this playoffs. You know, Giannis's knee was bent the other way, and he went out there and gave the performance of his life in the finals. And you know, Anthony Davis was legitimately injured. I never want to make light of the injuries that he has, but the injuries he has always sidelines him. It's not I'm playing through it. It's not he's out uh, and. Availability is part of your ability, man, and he, he just doesn't have that. Um, yeah. And I also, people have talked about this a lot, but I, I really got to keep this in mind uh, when I evaluate Anthony Davis is that he was shooting out of his mind in the bubble. Like, he's never been that good of a two-point shooter, but when he was hitting mid-range jumpers like that, he was completely unguardable. Um, when he went back to normal this season, him not being willing to play center is weird at this point. It's weird. Every time, every type of lineup that the Lakers had, that the Pelicans would have when he was the five, they were excellent. He's a, the, the perfect small ball five because he's not small and he still has all the skill, but he just won't do it. And they have to bring in whack-ass players like fucking Andre Drummond because he don't want to play center. It's way past time for this Anthony Davis. But at the same time, he always gets hurt, so I, I, I kind of understand why he doesn't want to do it, but it's, that's going to always hold him back. I think that uh, that took him out of the top five talk. For me. Yeah, 
I, I think that that's all fair. And I don't mean to poo-poo, you know, your Steph, your Kawhi, or your Embiid. I think that all top 10 players, but that's just my particular top five. For sure. But before we get to the Olympics, let's talk about this offseason and next and next season. I, I think it's fair to say that I, I haven't looked at Vegas Insiders or any of the Vegas websites, but, like, the Nets are definitely, I would say, the betting favorites. Do you think that – I mean, as it stands, we don't know what's going to happen uh, with some of these offseason trades and offseason moves, but, like, do you think it's – you think they're going to just uh, run away with it this coming season? I uh, I think what is today is day the twenty fourth. Yeah. Uh, this is not. This is when you get caught in a, a instant freezing cold take because you all know how active trades are on draft night, and that's next week. So I don't want to make any uh, you know huge statements on who's going to be good and who's going to be not. Um, I do think obviously the Nets are going to be one of the favorites, just you know from all three guys being healthy. Um, also, uh, you know if they keep. Blake Griffin, he was incredible. Um, you know, the, the, the guys that they had as role players really, really stepped up. Um, but I think that, like I said kind of earlier, uh, so many t- teams are one decent trade away from becoming elite that it's kind of hard to really at this point be like, oh, yeah, I think that this team is going to be good. I think that, you know, somebody like a Bradley Beal might get traded. I think that I think the Warriors are looking to make a big move. I think the Blazers are looking to make a big move. I think the Knicks are looking to make a big move. I think the Pelicans are looking to make a big move. I think the Timberwolves are like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot, lot, lot to, to kind of shake up. So revisit this in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But I do think that the Lakers and, and the Nets and obviously the Bucks will, will consider themselves probably like the three, you know, favorites, favorites going into it before anybody's made any trades. Yeah. That's all fair. I think that's very astute. Um, I I'm very curious to see what the Nets do. I I think they're going to win it all. Uh, not to be you know your you know conventional safe pick here, but I think it is because I just don't. As it stands, I don't see anybody. I I don't see anybody because like just hard just having Harden and KD alone. I'm just like God damn, that's so incredible. But we'll see. But I don't look, know. People have always said like you can't have a team. That's you know worse than tenth in defense win the championship, and they were like you know something like sixteenth, seventeenth in defense, and they didn't make it out of the second round. But um, if if KD has a smaller foot, they're in the finals for sure. But I think that uh, you know White Dante might be playing next time. Who knows what kind of team that the, yeah. they might be facing? You know Philly with with game on it at this point. They can't guard anybody. Like they really can't. And uh, they kind of got off easy, uh, and, and who they had to face because you know, uh, Giannis. I don't know something about looking at KD made him want to play like KD, so he was shooting dumbass threes. But uh, I think that a team will exploit that really, really badly. And when they, especially in the finals, if you're facing a LeBron team and you can't guard the rim, LeBron is going to be at the rim every single time. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that they definitely have a huge problem. Now I'm going to say huge problems to fix, but a lot of conventional basketball wisdom they are breaking, and I would like to see if they're able to break that with just sheer offensive talent. Well, we may not agree on everything that we've just discussed, but I think both of us can agree. White Dante is one of the greatest nicknames ever. Shout out to Bomani. Oh, right, yeah, like it was so. It's just his name, but like it's the fact that it's spelled with the O. Yeah, like, how do you get that name? <laughs> 
we'll, we'll, can't wait till he after he retires and he releases his like autobiography. It's going to be a de- definitely a necessary read. But let's uh, let's move on. It's, it was a great NBA talk. I love talking the NBA with you because you're one of the smartest dudes I know. Not just in NBA matters, but just in life. But let's move on to the Olympics, man. Uh, would you want? Do you want to talk about the General Olympics first, like general, or let's, do you want? Uh, since we're still basketball, let's yeah. just get basketball over with and do that part first. So, yeah. um, we talked about it earlier. You know, there's been no American Defensive Player of the Year since 2016. Yeah. You know, there's all these. You know, MVP is not American this year. The MVP hasn't been American in the last three years. Uh, and I saw a tweet today that I've been thinking about for a long time, but I never really had the energy to like put together the roster. Yeah. But uh, if Yugoslavia was still one country, Ooh. do you know who would be on their team? Well, Cause I, I have the roster now. I don't know if you also saw the tweet. No, I did not see the tweet. So let's not waste any time. How about you just lay it out for me? All right. So it would be Luka Doncic. Yes. The Hawks Bogdanovich. Yeah. The Jazz Bogdanovich. Vucevic. Jokic. Dragic, Nurkic, uh, they would have Zubak, they would have Boban. Uh, it would be ridiculous. They would have Saric from the from the Suns. They would have Mario Hazonia. They would have, that's an elite elite team that would legitimately be co favorites. I mean, I think the USA would probably be favorite, but they would have they would feel very confident in their chances at a gold medal. And I think that just speaks to how good international basketball has gotten. Um, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I think that, you know, Spain's always got a strong program. Uh, Italy, it should be pretty good. Australia's got a strong team. Nigeria, shout out to Mike Brown, former uh, Cavs coach and, and Lakers coach. Uh, he is coaching Nigeria currently. They beat the USA in the warm-up game. Uh, I think that they might have a, a outside sniff at a medal. It should be really, really fun to watch. I think the USA is the favorite, and I think that, you know, people are going to be worked up by those losses in the exhibitions. I still think that they should be fine. Um, they should be, they should 100% get a medal. I think that they might, you know, have to work for a gold. They might lose a game yeah. in, this, in this run-up. I don't expect that just an undefeated gold medal type deal. Um, it's going to be really, really fun to watch. Uh, I don't know, I could be telling all y'all wrong information, but, uh, there was the under 18 championships or the under 21 championships uh, for France. And I saw them playing against the United States earlier and they have a dude for France named Victor Wimbayana. Might've mispronounced that. My apologies. He's going to be the number one pick in 2023. He's unbelievable. He's mm. like KD, but even taller. Oh, and I don't know if oh. he's going to play for France's men's team. I know he played for the under 21 team. He's sick. Google him. They call him Wimby. That's probably easier. But Victor Wimbanyana, man, they got all kinds of ridiculous talent out there. Uh, it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be nuts. So that's the men's. The women also lost their their tune up game. I think that they are a much heavier favorite for um, the gold than the men are. Uh, but you know, Australia is always strong in women's basketball. Uh, Canada's got a decent team. Uh, I think Spain's got a decent team, so it'll it'll also be fun to watch. The women's team uh, is more fun because they dominate a little bit more, and it's fun to watch them on like full go. Uh, but oh, the men's will be fun too. But I think the women dominate to a higher degree, just based on the standards of women's basketball. Right oh now. my gosh, I 
I pulled up this uh, gentleman, Victor Winbayama. Winbayama. Okay, yeah, I'm going to have to work on that one as well. Wimby. They call it Wimby. Yeah, that is... I don't want to say anything that would be disrespectful, but that looks like... That, that that looks very unusual body build, but that is fascinating. Uh, he played look. against the guy, Chet Holmgren, who's supposed to be the number one pick uh, this year. I mean, not this year, next year. Um, and he outclassed him. The USA won that game, but he was cooking him. It was really ugly. If you were to send this man in a time machine to, like, 1984, like, they would be <laughs> like, that's an alien. Uh, anyway, I, I really agree that I... I, I I think it's a safe bet to, if you were a betting man, I think that it is a safe bet to put the money on uh, Team USA to win a gold. But again, as I said, I believe I texted you this before the before uh, we even lost those two exhibition games. That like I think that this team has silver medal written all over it. I could be wrong. Could be just being a Debbie Downer and being very overly cynical. But like I, I wouldn't be surprised because like I. This isn't as good a team as we possibly could, and we the, the chemistry isn't necessarily there yet. We are recording this at 7.58 on July 24th. They play France tomorrow at like 7 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. One of those, I'll be up to watch it. I've been getting up super early this past week to watch various events, uh, which we'll talk about. But I, I, you know what? If they do win it all, look, congratulations. I, I always love watching Team USA win anything, so I'm – I'm really excited to see them win a gold, but I again I would not be surprised if they win a silver. I don't think it's a bronze situation, an 04 situation, but I do do think that they could. I just think it would you know, take, it would take a lot for them to for it would take a lot of shenanigans for them to to fuck it all up. The but, refereeing is is really different, and you yeah. see them kind of struggling with that. And they have a lot of guys who are used to getting a certain kind of call. And I think one of the things that the Team USA is lacking as part of team construction is they don't feel like they have, and I could be wrong, I'm not looking at the roster right now, but, you know, I feel like they're lacking that real kind of point guard. And, like, in years past, LeBron would play or Chris Paul would be there, and they can be that all-encompassing, like, court general, right? But, uh, well, you know... Drew is on the way with... uh, But Drew is not... I I don't want... He's a good good lead ball handler, but he's not the... The point guard. Yeah, I'm thinking international play. He'll be fine. I think it'll be fine, and that'll be enough. I don't think he's gonna start, though, is he? I don't know. It it might not. Definitely, probably not right away. Because I mean, they're coming off a really intense finals. But him, him, and him and uh, what I would assume. I think Middleton would be the the would be the backcourt though, and Booker. I know that they're going, but I mean, the starting backcourt. I imagine Dame is definitely going to be the starting point guard. But he's not. You know, he's more of a scorer than he is a distributor. Uh, and then you got somebody like Beal. Well, Beal's left because he got COVID. Uh, but Booker is a very similar player. Uh, Middleton's a very similar player. Um, so yeah, I would imagine probably you'll have Drew in that spot to be a natural, you know, point guard. Because they were lacking that, and you don't want the ball in Draymond's hands. Because even though Draymond is a natural distributor, he's a terrible offensive player. He's not looking to score. Um, so that was kind of kind of a difficult situation. Obviously, he's got the rapport with KD, who you can get him the ball, and he's always going to get the bucket. And that works. Like, we have KD, and that's the, our biggest trump card over everybody else. But, uh, you know, those teams have so much cohesiveness, and the defense is different in international basketball. So I think they'll do a decent job uh, of keeping, you know, the team getting easy looks. Yeah, I, I'm very excited. Like you said, they kick off, they tip off tomorrow morning. I'll definitely be up. But let's move on to talk about the larger Olympics, man. Um, 
you were very interested in discussing this. Uh, we could talk yes. about uh, USA Women's at some point, but where where you where where's your head at with the Olympics right now? Okay, well, the thing I was most excited about, and I'm not going to go into the controversy of Shakari Richardson, but it was the women's hundred, right? Okay. And it wasn't just because of Shakari and being from LSU, and I'm in Dallas, and people are excited about the fact that she's from Dallas. She's not going to be there. That's fine because there was going to be a top four in that race. So take her out. There's still Dina Asher Smith. She's British, right? Mm-hmm. There's blessings. Okag Barre, Okag Barre, mm-hmm. right? And then there's Shelly and Fraser Price. They're all have won. They've all beat each other before. Who knows? You know, I think that the world record might be at play, you know, depending on the win. I don't know. The world record is still for a long time. I think it's still Flojo from like the 80s or something. So, uh, it could be like just the fact that that could possibly come down. Uh, you, you have three really four elite competitors you have no idea who's gonna win that's gonna be super duper exciting to watch um are there any other are there any events outside of the basketball on the track that you're also excited about of course i mean simone biles will be there so i'll be watching simone biles uh she has what five olympic medals with four goals one bronze I want to see if she's going to get a clean sweep of goals this time mm-hmm. and cement herself as one of the great, uh, you know, greatest all-time Olympians. Uh, the women's soccer team, yeah, they started off with a loss. I think that that's going to be interesting to see if that they can, you know, get to uh, the goal with teams that are clearly, clearly at their level. Um, sheesh, what else? Uh, other sports that I just like to monitor. Uh, I don't know if people know that three-on-three basketball is making this Olympics debut. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very, very fun to watch. It's not like the three-on-three basketball you probably played at the park, nor is it like, you know, regular 5 5 basketball. And every Olympics, it, it just trips me out that America has never gotten into handball. It is an action-packed game to watch. Uh, Norway is, like, super good at it. They'll probably win the gold medal. But if you're looking for just, like, stuff to watch, handball is – Super duper excited. Yeah, I'm. I I was one of those uh, hardcore fans, or maybe not hardcore fans. I'm not trying to blow smoke on my own ass here, but I was one of those like <laughs> dedicated fans that like got up at three o'clock on this past Wednesday to see the USA women's lose to Sweden. Which not surprising. I think anyone who follows women's international yeah. play would not be surprised. Would not be surprised by Sweden's performance. But I think we all were disappointed. Uh, in USA Women's, but they did they, bounce back with against New Zealand. Yeah, uh, it out on them. Yeah, and we play Australia on Tuesday. Uh, Sam I mean, Kerr, shout out Sam Kerr, Chelsea's own. I mean, I don't want Australia to win because she's a very good player and she's going to be a huge danger to, to, to light up the U.S. Yeah, I I was very impressed with, with how they played today, but again, it was against, you know, not a great team, but an okay team. Uh, I'm very excited. I really want them to win, and I... I just hope whatever the way the tournament shakes out, I hope we avoid Sweden at least until one of the you know the semifinals or the finals because they are legit a great team. Uh, shout out to Kosovari Islani, uh, one of my favorite international players. Also, I, don't sleep on Brazil, and this is going to be Marta's Marta, last run, and she's Marta, one of the dude. greatest players of all time, like, dude. Regardless was, of gender, it was so wild. Like I'm so happy for him. Like I I I don't I I don't want to misrepresent myself and say that I'm like an ex an expert on international women's international soccer but right. seeing marta and christine sinclair with canada still going at it is so awesome to me like i'm just they're 
They've been in multiple World Cups and multiple. I mean, Olympics. Carly Lloyd is she's getting up there too. She's thirty six. Yeah, she's thirty. Oh no, I'm sorry. She's thirty nine. Rapino is thirty six. My bad. I, I get the ages mixed up. But yeah, and Carly Lloyd started this morning against New Zealand, and she did pretty well. And uh, I'm I'm really really excited. I like to keep tabs on table tennis because I love playing ping pong. So like, I Same. really get that. Yeah, we, I remember we played at LSU's Rexa a few times. That was fun times, man. I've gotten much better since then, but... I believe you. Uh, I have not. Um, <laughs> I also am really excited about... I didn't get to watch... First off, I didn't get to watch our women's uh, play three-on-three this morning because it was on right at the same time USA Women's was playing New Zealand in soccer. But I also am really excited about uh, softball and uh, baseball coming back because I think it's the first year right. in a while that they've come back. It's really weird. I was really thinking about the sports, and I, I realized outside of table tennis, which I don't think we have any like big American players, um, a lot of the individual performances I don't really follow, but I do follow like your a few of our bigger team sports. So it's really weird. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's because I'm fans. There's not a lot of individual sports. Uh, so for me, yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, but like for me, when it comes to the Olympics, there's some stuff that I'll always be into just because the Olympics. Like I will watch all of men's track every probably race up to what the 800 or the, the, the thousand, whatever. Yeah. Like I, I, all of the sprints, I'm very fascinated in. I, uh, I always want to know who's the fastest man in the world. This will be the first uh, non-Usain. Olympics in a very very long time. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see who comes out on top of that. Um, so yeah, track is huge for me. I do enjoy that a lot. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other sports. I do like to watch fencing. Like that's something that I'm only into because of the Olympics. But wrestling, I, I keep an eye on. Not Greco Roman or anything other ones, but just the regular, the good old wrestling. Yeah, uh, like the weightlifting and kind of shit. Like I'll give that a glance. I'll keep up to to win that because I really just think it's fascinating. I Anyone who kind of knows me uh, knows I have this really weird thing about demographics. I'm trying to keep a kind of general running list of everything and every culture in my head. And it's fun to see like the kind of countries who excel at particular sports, right? Like mm-hmm. wrestling has been in the Olympics forever. Iran is a powerhouse. They've always oh, been incredible at I did wrestling. Not know that. And like, yes, like if you, they're one of the all time gold medalist countries in wrestling and they, expect to leave with a medal in lots of wrestling events every year, right? And it's just kind of interesting to know that about, you know, Iranian people, right? Or, like, the fact that, you know, Dutch people are good at swimming or whatever, whatever, right? Like, but there, there is a lot of those, like, you, you know, that Kenyans are incredible distance runners and stuff yeah. like that. I, I, I like to just kind of keep a general eye on the medal count and what those medals are to kind of get an idea of what, like, life in those countries is like, even though it doesn't represent life in those countries at all but it's fun for me it is going to be challenging with the 14 like you and i are both in the central time zone it's a 14 hour time difference between uh oh, i'm not watching them live i'm not even trying yeah again i'll get up early like again <laughs> yeah i think it's on tuesday i believe that uh uh usa women's plays australia again at 3 30 in the morning i'm probably going to get up to watch that again because i'm i i you real i was talking to someone about this last night they were like because I was wearing an Austin FC hat. Shout out to the Verde, man. And uh, even though they didn't really do well against Sounders over the weekend, but that's a whole other thing. Who's uh, our biggest rival? Are, are, we don't have one yet. It's our yet? it's our first year. Uh, we'll see. You got to hate on FC Dallas and the Dynamo, right? Yeah, I, I, I was like, 
I, I knew the Dynamo, but I did not know about SC Dallas, and apparently they are terrible. But we'll see yes. how they go. But I was going to say was I was talking to someone last night about soccer, and it really comes down to the reason I got into soccer, along with being a friend of yours, and you know, you always give me some you know scraps of soccer material when we would talk about sports back in the day. But also it was like it was the Men's World Cup 2010 that I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. But then – Watching the 2011 Women's World Cup, that incredible journey that the women went through in the matches with France, Brazil, and then losing to Japan in the penal- in the final with PKs. And I'm just like, that is what really got me into it. So I really chalk it up to the U.S. women's are the, I'd say the overwhelming m- main reason that I got, I really discovered a passion and a love for soccer. So I, I am a very dedicated fan of theirs. I love their players and I love how not only talented they are, but outspoken and passionate about off the Absolutely. off the pitch things so i'm very Absolutely. excited to see again if they don't win it all i won't be upset because i think that they're legit great and the world cup i wouldn't be upset because that would speak so highly for the future of women's football Absolutely. you know like it's the fact that we dominated for a long time we have most of the gold medals and most of the world cups like that is cool for sure like if you root for american sports teams but like um to have the world be more competitive and we still dominate, that'll mean a lot more. And, you know, having women being involved in sports is always a good thing. So to see it, you know, stepping up to this level where there's, you know, no walk, not the same amount of, you know, walkthrough games where, you know, this team is about to get smoked. Uh, you know, there's, everybody's competitive. That's awesome. Yeah. And tomorrow, for the record, uh, USA plays Jamaica. I believe in the, it's the quarterfinals of the CONCACAF uh, Gold Cup. Just as an aside, World Cup qualifiers for U.S. men come this fall, man. What are you What are you feeling? What do you think? I mean, the men are in a good place, honestly, in a, in a pretty decent place that they've, they've been in a long time. Uh, I've really completely given up on the U.S. men's national team as an institution. Like, I really I don't so much root for them. I'd like to see them win, uh, but it's whatever. Um, but I, I used to, and in those times, there was always we were always praying that we would feel the team in a World Cup that wasn't full of dudes that played for the dynamo and the crew and the earthquakes god bless them you watch mlf soccer you are a true fan you live in the city with your team you have a different connection me i discovered football from 2006 world cup that took me straight from rooting for the ivory coast to rooting for team usa rooting for dda driver for chelsea and then i was watching the epl like at a very high level i cannot watch mls soccer it is. It is. It is quite like watching the Euros this year. Uh, I was just like, and, the, and yeah. international is not club, right? Yeah. Like if you had Spain play against Barcelona, it would Spain would get smoked. And it's not a good example. Barcelona is kind of down right now, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um. So we finally are at a place where the U.S. men's team is putting out mostly European players and mostly European players from decent teams. So uh, I think as far as our place within CONCACAF, you know, North America, Mexico's kind of down. This is a yeah. chance for us to really uh, step up and, and truly be the team here. I think Canada's got something percolating, but nothing I, that should really I always have uh, to be very nervous. careful when I talk about Mexican soccer because I'm like, God, I hate Mexico. And I'm like, be careful how you say that yeah. and where you say that because no, that sounds bad. Time. That's the only time where a red cap disappears on my head when I start talking about the tree. The men's, really, the el- the the tri the tries, man. I hate them so much. I hate them so much. The problem is, I don't know what it, uh, you know. American soccer players, they they play a very 
distinctly styleless style. Yeah. Like I, American players are known for having, you know, nonstop not charisma. Like, what am I looking for? Lung capacity. They're runners. They're athletes. They're but you know they don't have that true footballing tradition where I know I need to flop. I know I need to lay on the yeah. ground. So when you watch them play against them, there's always it's just like all oh, the time wasting, all oh, the laying on the ground, all oh, the talking to the ref. And every time they're playing the United States, unless they're playing literally in Kansas City or Ohio, it's a road game, right? Because yeah. the, the Mexican Americans just pay care more about soccer than the American fans. So it's always just a super loud stadium and it's very stressful, but. This is a, a chance to, you know, put some distance between them. I think the uh, American team is ranked somewhere in, like, the high teens, maybe 10 yeah. in the world. And um, that's probably about right. You know, if, if, if Christian Pulisic has a good tournament, if Weston McKinney has a good tournament, if uh, DK, uh, the striker, mm-hmm. they got a lot of other guys. Tim Tim Weah is, is also a special player. Uh, my man's for oh my god for Barcelona, Sergio Dest, uh, Conrad de la Fuente. They got the dude for uh, Gio Reyna, Gio Reyna, he's sick. Like, yeah, so it, there's so many, and there's a all the other like journeyman dudes who I couldn't think of off the top of my head also play for European teams, just not as big ones. So, you know, we should have, we should have the talent, the coaching at, until the never international level soccer kind of is what it is. But it should be okay. Yeah, it should be okay. I'll say, but I'll never be optimistic about it. <laughs> well, I will. I was. I'll just say a few things, and then we can move on to uh, the American football. Uh, one thing is, I, what I was saying about the Euros, like watching those high level talent in the Euros, and then watching you know Austin FC, which you know it's our first year, but just watching MLS, it's like wow, there is just a remarkable. Remarkable drop, but you know that no, the, the, the NFL is in D two. Yeah, basically. And so the second thing is, you think I'm dedicated when watching MLS? Listen, friend, this past year, especially during the well, after the like when the pandemic kind of chilled out, but I watched some of uh, the women's Super League in Europe. I was watching Arsenal play, <laughs> and that was fun. That's I when I knew I was, Chelsea was incredible. Yeah, I watched. Yeah, it's tough. And then lastly, I'll say is. I, my friend Ben, who you met at my birthday uh, last year, the last fun thing we did before the world went to hell, Ben and I are like 2026 World Cup. It's in the North America and Central in Mexico as well. And then 2028 uh, Olympics is in LA. And I'm like, those are that we need to prepare for those. Those are where the, that is where things are lining up to where the U.S. men's can make some noise. And I'm really, maybe foolishly, maybe naively. But I am really getting invested in like those are our golden opportunities to develop and conquer and really show out uh, for 2026 World Cup and 2028 Olympics. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, 2026 World Cup, that should be crazy. Yeah. Uh, but if it's going to be like, what are the venues? Is it going to be like Mexico and Canada? Yeah. A bunch of NFL stadiums in the United States. Yeah, and then there's a stadium in Edmonton, and I believe there's a stadium in, in Toronto. Don't check me on that. And of course, New Mexico, uh, not New Mexico, Azteca, Mexico, yeah. Yeah, Azteca, and I believe another stadium I can't, but mostly, mostly NFL stadiums in the United States. Anyway, I think that does it. Sunset for the, the Superdome didn't get one. I would. No, been. it's not. It's unfortunately, but did Jerry World get one? Yes, Arlington, Where's Texas. Yes. Uh, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So. I think that does it for the international uh, talk. Let's move on real quick to domestic American football, 
which mm-hmm. very interesting to learn. I learned over very recently that American football is really big in Japan. This is an aside. Like they have a collegiate league in the United and in Japan, but then it got me to learn that there is actually international American play. We have a team USA American football. I cannot remember all the league information and stuff like that, but apparently there is international play. Obviously it's not nearly as uh, talented as the NFL, and obviously it's kind of like a niche thing across the world, but I was very happy to learn that. Uh, we can talk about that later off the pod, but it was very fast. No, but I have seen that before. I yeah. remember there was some game where it was like USA versus some other country. It was like a close game. I was like, what the hell is this? I just was I, – I need to look into it more, but I was, I'm incredibly fascinated why Japan would fall in love with American football. I, I don't know if there's some post-World War II American uh, – Lasting, stuff. yeah, staff. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's why they love baseball so much. But uh, it's, and they're probably the, the next best at it. Yeah, they are. And uh, well, I would, I would probably the Caribbean and Central American countries. Yeah, I was about to say, they said. might have more talent. Yeah, but their league is definitely the next best league. Definitely. Uh, and then Korea as well. So there's also that. But it was very fascinating. But let's move on to the SEC. We are both LSU fans. Uh, yes. Go Tigers! And I am also a Notre Dame fan, which may come down. Maybe factor in all this conference reshuffling, but the main story we're talking about is I don't think official anything official has been announced, but you know there is some there is apparently it's being reported that the deal is done that Texas the University of Texas Longhorns and the University of Oklahoma Sooners are joining the SEC. So how do you feel about it? Are you indifferent? Are you excited about it? Are you are you opposed to it? What do you think, man? Uh, first of all, I'm pro. I think that is great. I think that they are good programs, and it'll be good to kind of consolidate the good programs regionally. I think it'll be good to have, you know, people in Texas grow up watching SEC football because that's where a lot of the talent comes from, and I think that that'll help talent go to some of the other SEC schools. Mac Brown, uh, very famously back in the day, did not want any of the schools in Texas had him sign like a little secret petition to never play LSU because we were already poaching on their talent and yeah. we couldn't show up on any extra on TV. Obviously, A&M went and broke that. Um, but I think the, as an LSU fan and as any SEC fan, you know, they love to say it just means more and it kind of does because the first thing I could think of was only through the LSU lens and like, Holy shit, does that mean that we can get Alabama and Auburn out of the SEC West? I'm so excited. Well, That's really, my first and only thought, I think that that would be great. But I, I don't want to poo-poo uh, Oklahoma football. I think that they would definitely be an immediate, immediate contender in the SEC West. Uh, and we're probably winning a few years. You know, I, it's no guarantee that, you know, LSU or one of the Mississippi schools or something like that are, are going to just up and dominate. So I, think, I just think it'll be fun. I think Texas is a wild for being back, but I will never deny that they are truly a sleeping giant program. You live in Austin. It's an incredible city. And it has a lot to offer to recruits. The campus is beautiful. They have some tradition. Uh, a lot of that tradition is racism, but other than that, you know, they have some football tradition. There's no reason why they shouldn't be one of the best schools in the, in the country. They care about football so fucking much. <laughs> And so I don't think that they'll be terrible forever. I think it'll probably be a couple of seasons before they are able to recruit SEC level defenses. Cause like, uh, Oklahoma, I don't, I think it'll be tough for them that first year when they get to the SEC. If they still got a regular Oklahoma defense, they might be getting lit the fuck up. Uh, but it's great. Uh, the Big 12 
it was a dumb conference anyway. It was basically held together by those two schools. It was basically the Texas Plus Conference. Um, and, yeah, uh, it, it has me excited. Uh, it'll help with basketball a lot, too, because they're both decent at, at that as well. Yeah. Uh, and the SEC is a surprisingly good basketball conference as well. But I think it's all good. I mean, as far as college sports goes, I think that'll help them get money because uh, the SEC will definitely – be the strongest conference now, right? And I think that that would be unquestionable. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a lot of good stuff all around. Uh, I think that it is money wise, it makes sense. I don't care. Like, I've heard a lot of, especially talking heads and sports media, be like, oh, what happened? I, I'm specifically, specifically, I, I watched a PTI thing on it and Will Bond and Kornheiser were just like, oh, about it being old fuddy duddies and shit like that. Which I love them, but they're they're so old now. They hate yeah. everything. Yeah, it's. I, I'm very excited about it. I, I love. I relish the possibility that watching uh, LSU beginning of our championship season uh, beat Texas was delicious. I think we both agreed on that. And for but, sure. But uh, and playing them regularly would be awesome, especially if I continue to stay in Austin. That would be dope. Uh, it would mean that LSU would be coming here more often. Uh, but what I would say is that where we disagreed, we talked about this a little bit off pod, like I don't want to lose that Alabama game LSU, even though the, the past few years has been, you know, we had that one great year and then like, like we lost like eight years straight. Like we were terrible against Alabama, but I don't want to lose that game. I, but I am, I, I'm totally for this. I'm totally for this. I think that it, I I I I don't I, I don't care like I just don't care about like oh well it's always been this way I was like fuck it there's going I don't know if you've noticed not you specifically but college football college athletics are going through a major overhaul just oh, in so many aspects that fuck it let's just do it let's just fucking go crazy I did want to mention Notre Dame they have historically been an independent except their football team yeah, yeah, is independent but everybody else is ACC. I really don't want them to join a, turn, a, a conference, but it may come out that way. We might have a huge shift because Big 12 is going to dissolve. I think we all agree that, and then they're going to have to go somewhere, and it'd be very interesting. And I, I just want to say my main takeaway from all this is I am laughing so hard at Texas A&M. These people are so fucking mad about it, and it is fucking hilarious. The memes have been great. I can't wait for them to have to play Texas again. That's what oh, I yeah. want the most. They, like uh, That is... For people who don't live in Texas, that is an extremely serious rivalry. Like, for real, for real, for real, for real, for real. And Texas A&M is a very, very insular culture. Uh, it's a small conversation right outside of, of Houston. It's kind of, it's not a religious school, but it has a very religious fervor. And the people who go there are really weird. <laughs> it's a really weird fan base. And they're very insecure because uh, they've never been the strongest team in Texas. And... You know, they, they feel like the people in UT are arrogant, hoity-toity, and they are. So I definitely feel for that. But, uh, yeah, it's going to oh, – the toxicity in the SEC was already, you know, ridiculous. They got people killing trees and shit over – Roll damn time. And then you got you to add probably a top five intense rivalries in all of college football yeah. into the conference. Uh, it's going to be nuts. Really, too, because I mean, you still have Texas OU and Texas Texas A and M. Plus the burgeoning yeah. rivalry between, I think Texas and LSU, they want to be rivals. Yeah. The A and M got to it first, and you can feel it. Like these two states touch each other. The whole reason 
Oklahoma, Texas is a rivalry is based on proximity. Yeah. And LSU has been so good for a decent amount of time now, but there's really nothing there yet. And I think that that's going to start to build too. And I think new rivalries are fun. Yeah. And, you know, not to my homerism to come out now, but like it is all like Texas blows Louisiana as far as GDP and so many aspects out the water. But it is nice yeah, when our little our little middle of the pack state upsets, you know, the we're Republic not even of in the Texas. Middle, we're at the bottom. Yeah. If you are talking to just really tangent, but if you're talking to somebody who's like not from America about this part of America, I basically just describe it as like, all right, so there's Texas. And then above that, there's Native American Texas. And then next to that, there's like bilingual French Texas. And then there's half empty other Native American Texas in New Mexico. Like everything around here is just suburbs of Texas. Yeah, it's really weird. Like the Gulf Coast, like there's Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and then there's Florida. So it's like these three states that are just like the buffer between Texas and Florida. And you can get a lot of. Uh, a lot of that is inseminated in those three states, but I'm really excited. And it's just weird because that part of it is the central Louisiana down to New Orleans is that part that you only find in Louisiana. Yeah. Why are there these French-speaking people with it? Yeah, all the rest of it. Yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, we don't have time to talk about the NIL and some of the Supreme Court cases, but maybe one day we'll talk about it. We got a couple things to do before we wrap up. This, again, will be part two. It's coming out Thursday. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers first, and we'll wrap it up with our beloved Saints. Dude, if he retires, holy shit. Just off top, you saw the Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams little powwow. Jordan of, uh, tweets. Yeah, Jordan I'm, tweets, Jordan Pippen tweets. What do you think about all this, man? Do you think he's going to go I don't know what it? that's supposed to be. Does that mean it's the, it's, the, it's the last dance? That's what I took it as. Like, he might give it one last season, or he gave it one last season, and he's out of here. I don't know. I feel like that's. I was supposed to take last dance away from that. Yeah. And that definitely hints towards retiring. Um, I don't know. It's a weird situation. I don't understand. I'll never understand why they never got this man another receiver, why they never made a big deal about getting another receiver. Like, it's crazy. And it's not like, I mean, Devontae Adams is great, one of the best receivers in the league. Definitely. They drafted him, and he turned out to be really good, but. Like, people go get receivers, man. Like, I don't understand why they never got him any weapons. They just took advantage of the fact that he's, you know, incredible, which he is. But uh, you see, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers, with the level of talent he has, uh, I'm sure he sees kind of like the infrastructure and the system is built up around, you know, somebody like Drew, who he watched completely physically fall off, but was able to put up basically identical stats in regular season, you know, win totals with the Saints while his physicality had completely died. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers was like, damn, if I was playing in a system that was this fucking smooth, who knows what I could do? Yeah. Or you seeing somebody like, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, they build it around his running. Like, he, I'm sure he would want something as customized as that. Not, don't even bring, you know, Brady and or Mahomes into the conversation where it's just like the ideal marriage of coaching uh, and, and player, he's just, he's never been getting the best. He's been dealing with a, you know, I'm not going to say a dumb coach, but, you know, a dude who's behind the times for a, a long time. Definitely. And now they have this new guy, and, you know, I don't know anything about him as a coach, to be honest. Like, they had a good season last season that they didn't, he didn't give him the ball, and they kicked a the field goal. That was dumb as fuck. Like, I, that's all I'll know about that dude now. What's his LaFleur? Matt LaFleur? Yeah, Matt LaFleur. Um, and then there's the whole Jordan so, Love situation. Like that it's Why would they take him? I can understand if it was I don't even remember the quarterbacks from that draft. You know, if it was somebody who was like, All right, you know, 
because everybody compares it to when they drafted Aaron Rodgers, but we went into that draft thinking Aaron Rodgers was about to go one, two, or three, yeah. and he was that level of talent, and then he fell to the 20s, right? It was nobody that was like Jordan Love's about to be one, two, or three. He was about, you know, yeah, he's a project. He got some, he might smell like Mahomes a little bit. That's about it. Yeah. And, you know, people reach for it. I'm not saying that he's not going to be good, but I definitely think that the the Packers are counting on him being ready to play by now to put pressure on Aaron to be or so they could trade him now, but he's not ready to play, so now they're fucked. Uh, and it's an ugly situation. It's, it's hard to get these divorces right. They were uh, Packers fans. I'm nothing against them. I don't think that they're particularly annoying or anything, but they were definitely smelling their own shit about, you know, oh, we build from within and uh, we were the perfect example of how to deal with an aging quarterback. You just take the next one and we're about to do it again. No, it doesn't always work like that. And taking a quarterback in the first round when you have an MVP level dude who's clearly missing weapons is very, you know, cut off your nose despite your face. It's very defeatist. Dumb as hell. Yeah. I, I'm very fascinated. Like, I, I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen. And I, Definitely think that Aaron Rodgers has a lot of money to his name already, and he could probably make even more uh, doing other things off the field. So I don't think money is the issue. But like, if he doesn't play, he has to fork over like over twenty million dollars or some shit like that, and that is a big check to write. But uh, yeah, but he's rich. Dude. He is like, rich. He's he has so much guaranteed money. Like, who cares? And he'll make money from whatever the fuck he can announce. He's having a podcast, a Netflix show, yeah. or whatever. Like, and the Packers know that. And I think that that's what a lot of owners in all sports are starting to realize now. And it's like, yeah, with this salary cap sport, your money isn't really what I live for anymore. Yeah, it. it hey, at least you know what he has a he got a he got a ring this season. He got a Milwaukee's Bucks ring, and props to him for that. Uh, anyway, so let's move on to the Saints. I just want to read this tweet out before and get your reaction. Uh, it's gonna be we got this Mike Thomas news, and uh, shout out to Ari. Marioff, uh with my sports update on Twitter. He says, uh, Saints lost Drew Brees, Trey Hendrickson, Sheldon Rankins, Emmanuel Sanders, Norris Jenkins, Jared Cooks, and Thomas Morstead. Michael Thomas will miss the start of the season. David Onyemata is suspended six games. Marshawn Lattimore could, and Marshawn Lattimore could also be suspended for his March arrest. So with all that on top of it, and then with the alleged uh, quarterback competition, man, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about this coming season? It's a ways away, but... Just in July, how are you feeling? Bad. I don't think that the Saints are going to be very good. I think that they will be able to piece together a respectable offense because I think the offensive line is still good. I think that Kamara is still good. And I think that the trickeration that they're able to create with Taysom works. I mean, it's been multiple seasons now. Like, it's effective. But uh, I really hope he's not playing most of the downs. I know he's going to play a lot, and I think that Sean can create a system for two quarter. If anybody can make a two system, a two quarterback system work, you know, I, I will put Sean on the list of, of one of those dudes to make that. But I, Jameis is the more traditional quarterback. Jameis has had much, much more success in this league. Yeah, I, I don't think that Jameis is going to be amazing or anything, but yeah. I think that he'll be above average. I think he's going to. People think that he sucks, and I don't think he. Ever so, I think he was just random. Yeah, thirty and thirty. That's all you got to say. It's just like yeah. But people, when you hear thirty and thirty, people really gloss over the first thirty. Yeah, 
it's it's very interesting. I I was talking about it with my friends, like I said earlier today, and seventeen game season. So no more eight and eight. Shout out to Jeff Fisher. Uh, I'm just hoping. I'm hoping ten and seven, but it'll probably be closer. You know, uh, uh, eight and nine or nine and eight or something like that. I. It'll I can see it being yeah. under five hundred. I can see it winning six games. As, oh wow! That's the, five six is the least, and you know ten is max. So yeah, we'll probably. I don't know what the Bucks will look like, and who knows what Carolina and uh, and Atlanta will look like. But uh, we'll probably come in second or third in our division. You know, maybe be in competition for the wild card. Maybe not. Who knows? Uh, they. Oh yeah, they have a new playoff format too. I forget about that. Uh, but it'd be very interesting. It'll probably be a down year, and I mean, I just don't even know. This Mike Thomas news really knocked the wind out of my sails, and apparently there's. Some... I think that they should have. Yeah. Uh, he was showing. I heard some smoke about him wanting to be traded. We heard that a few years back. Yeah. And then there's the timing of the surgery, which is very auspicious. I'll just say that. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think he might want out, and that's fine. We gave him the deal. It'll be easier to trade him out than he has a contract. Um, but the Saints, uh, in a modern NFL, I don't know how much you can build around a running back, and he's like the only person that you feel really, really confident about on the offense, other than you know the line, and then how excited do you get about a lineman? So they're really counting on you know Jameis being better than he ever was at this late stage of his career, or Taysom being a thirty-something-year-old man, but all of a sudden figuring it out and being an above-average quarterback, which just doesn't seem very likely. Mm. Uh, and they don't seem like they'll be bad enough to get the kind of draft pick to refresh the franchise. And I don't know if this is that kind of season. You know, uh, no Joe Burrow, no uh, – why can't I say his name in Jacksonville? Long hair. Oh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Uh, there's not that kind of prospect out there this year uh, that I know of. Um, and – you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think that the Saints, uh, if they get to a situation where they get into the playoffs and they they are able to build a little hot defense, the Saints have been trying to build a crazy strong defensive line for a very long time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be unfortunate to see, you know, Cam Jordan fall out of his prime without ever having uh, a running mate on the opposite side to help him deal with the double teams because Marcus Davenport, God bless him, he can't stay healthy. And now we got... Uh, the guy we drafted, Peyton Turner, we'll see. Same position, same kind of a build, same yeah. setup. I think if they're able to set that up and our cornerbacks come back healthy, they, we can have a very, very good defense. And, you know, we'll see how things go from there. But, uh, yeah, very low hopes for the Saints this season. Uh, and being honest, even though it's not on the top of mind, but after the Kaepernick season, I definitely had some – thoughts about the NFL and I really have never been able to get my enthusiasm about the NFL up to before then so it's like it's not like I'm falling out of love with football the playoffs are still fun I still care but it's, it's not the same I guess also you know years of not living in New Orleans because you know it's so much more serious there yeah but um yeah it's just kind of like you know whatever I don't expect them to be very good so I'm not gonna be paying super attention I will be but I actually you know it's kind of weird with with um with the talent that we had the past few years and as close as we kept coming to you know the prize and even though we got close enough that the refs fucked us over uh, never forget that never forget uh 
fucking 13-3 Super Bowl. Fucking trash-ass Super Bowl. Anyway, 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 anyway. It's actually kind of relieving because, like, I was – I get very invested in the games and I'm very stressful. I'm re- I get really stressed out about the games. And actually, I'm looking forward to – you know what? Expectations are low this coming season, so it won't be as – I mean, I'm still going to get upset when we lose. But, like, I just will be like, you know what? It's a new chapter. You know, we're going to be figuring things out. Like, I feel like I had a lot of stress the past decade or so because I was like, we have – I think and we went for Drew. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's better than one Super Bowl. He, he was, but he never got it. But yeah, I definitely, I felt that pressure. All, yeah, his whole time. And now that that's kind of, that's gone now, I actually would be like, okay, well, let's just hope for a competitive team. Maybe win the division. Maybe compete for the division. Maybe make the playoffs and see what happens. But uh, I, you know what? I'm kind of, I'm still in there. Yeah. I'm still on there. You know, don't don't get uh, you know, don't lose to the Falcons. Don't get swept by the Bucks. You know, split it with the Panthers. Don't embarrass yourself. I'll be cool. Yeah, for real. Well, guys, I think that does it for us tonight. Dalvin, always a pleasure, man. Uh, it of was course. really great seeing you in March. Uh, I'm really looking forward to, uh, I don't know if, yeah, you've announced it, right? Like your engagement and all that stuff and your wedding in your upcoming nuptials next year. Yeah, I'm going to Hawaii in like two weeks. Uh, apparently, Hawaii is like very anti tourist right now. This has been a very yeah. awkward situation for me. But uh, I've had this, you know, we had it booked for a long time. But yeah, I'm still excited. I got a lot of traveling coming up. You know, it's gonna be gonna be crazy. It's not. We're not even really post COVID, but I'm still back to traveling like it's post COVID. Mm. So we'll see how things go. Yeah. So that's gonna do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you for listening. If you didn't listen to part one, I encourage you to. It's. A, it's. I think it's a really great episode. And you know, please like, subscribe, share with all your friends, family, and stalkers. Maybe I don't know what y'all get into in your all private life. Anyway, don't worry. They, they, they knew before you knew that it was dropping. <laughs> Uh, so yeah that's gonna do it for us guys thank you for listening thank you again Dalvin and I, I you know what have a great week man uh, I guess I'll talk to you later yes sir thank you for having me alright man I'll catch you later peace bye